Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear His Word today. Hey there, welcome back, Bible Center family. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for being a part of our service, whether you're joining us on campus, online, or on TV. It is great to have you with us. I'm Matt. I'm the lead pastor. I would love to meet you next time our paths cross. Let me invite you to take your Bible or your Bible app and open with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 is where we're going to begin in a moment. Uh, But I want to start by wishing you a happy Mother's Day. Those of you who are watching this live, uh, it is, of course, Mother's Day. For those of you who may be watching this on TV a week or so later, I hope you had a good Mother's Day. But I want to start by wishing my wife, Sarah, a happy Mother's Day. We've been married for over 20 years, have three children. Our oldest is 18 years old. And honey, I just want you to know how much I love you. This, of course, won't be the only time that I wish you a happy Mother's Day, but I want to make it known. Also, I want to wish my own mom a happy Mother's Day. Mom, if you're watching this online, it's great uh, to uh, spend the day with you. I look forward to seeing you on Mother's Day. I love you so very much. And then I want to wish all of you a happy Mother's Day. Those of you who uh, have children, grandchildren of your own, I'm so excited for this day. Maybe you know this already, but celebrating Mother's Day is a very West Virginia thing to do. Here's why. The year was 1870, less than a decade after the American Civil War, and a woman named Julia Ward Howell, who was famous for writing the Battle Hymn of the Republic, promoted a new holiday called Mother's Peace Day. For Howe and the other anti-war activists, Mother's Peace Day was a a way to promote unity after the horrors of the American Civil War. They hoped to never send their sons into such a war again. One such activist and follower of Julia Ward Howe lived in Philippi, West Virginia, and her name was Ann Jarvis. Now, Anne urged mothers to pray for peace, and she established Mother's Friendship Days in Philippi, where veterans from both sides of the Civil War could make peace with the men they had once tried to kill. For years, Anne Jarvis prayed and worked for someone to start a holiday to honor mothers, but unfortunately, she never saw that day come on her own. After Anne died in 1905, her daughter Anna fulfilled her desire. The first celebration for moms was held in 1908 in Grafton, West Virginia at the Andrews Methodist Episcopal Church. By 1910, West Virginia recognized Mother's Day as a state holiday, and by 1914, President Woodrow Wilson signed it into law. Mother's Day was the most, and still is, some say, the most important Sunday on the organized crime calendar. According to Joey Pistone, an FBI agent, he says the mafia is closed every year for Mother's Day. Now, we celebrate Mother's Day, of course. It's a cultural thing that we do. But today I want to ask the question, why do we celebrate Mother's Day as a church? Why do we make such a big deal about Mother's Day, especially when not everyone in our church is a mother? Think about it. There are some of you, some in our church, who have lost their mothers. And so today isn't a joyful day, but Mother's Day can be a very sad day for you. Maybe some of you have lost a child. 
Some want to be mothers but aren't able to be mothers. Some have experienced miscarriage. Some didn't have loving mothers. Some bear the shame and guilt of abortion. Some are about to experience the empty nest for the first time. So why in the world would we make such a big deal out of a day that means something different to different people? Well, today I want to try to answer that question from the Bible. I believe that today's message is worth the price of your attention, and I actually believe it will help you be a more a better informed biblical Christian in our culture. You see, it's very easy for us as Christians to get swept into the culture, for us just to bob along and do what everybody else is doing. But God's word calls us actually to be countercultural. God's word calls us to go against the grain, to, to at least see why we do what we do and make sure it's for a reason that honors the Lord. And I believe there is a good reason for us to celebrate Mother's Day. And so I want to share that with you today. What I'm going to do in the next few minutes is I'm going to give you five reasons why we celebrate Mother's Day as a church, and then I'm going to conclude with one final challenge to each of us. Let's go ahead and dive into Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Why do we celebrate Mother's Day as a church? Number one, because Mother's Day is God's idea. Mother's Day was God's idea. Think about this with me. Long before sin entered the world, long before brokenness entered the world, long before Satan and his demons fell and wreaked havoc on God's creation, on God's universe, long before Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God already established his plan for motherhood. The mandate given to Adam and Eve to fill the earth and subdue it, they were to fill the earth with children and take dominion over the earth. They were called to expand the borders of Eden and to fill it with children. God wanted them to reclaim dominion in the universe where Satan had ruined it. And, and we see where, where the task required a very special person for this to take place. The task required a mother. Not just a mother to give birth to children, but a mother to raise children, to teach her children, to inspire her children. It's been said that were it not for moms, the original men of Plymouth and Jamestown would have died of starvation and or ignorance. I believe that. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, there's even a, a greater description of Eve and Adam and Eve and their relationship. It's almost like in Genesis chapter 2, God double clicks on the story of the creation of particularly of Eve. Eve was the crown jewel of God's creative work. A woman, Eve, was the last thing to be called into existence by God. He saved the best for last God actually fashioned Eve with his own hand in a way that showed particular care and attention to detail. 
The Hebrew expression in Genesis 2 denotes careful construction and design. Now think about it, fellas. God only made men, Adam, from mud, but he made women from flesh and bone. Essentially, women are refined. A man is like a thermos, but a woman is like a a wine glass. Nothing in the universe was created with such precision like a woman. And motherhood in particular was part of God's design in the Garden of Eden. And it was intended to be filled with pure joy. There was no need for epidurals. There was no postpartum depression, no rebellious children, no temper tantrums in Target, no sick children. Motherhood was part of God's design. It was God's idea. We see the same thing in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 6. Jesus said, haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Even Jesus reminds us that it was God's idea. Why do we celebrate motherhood and Mother's Day? Because it was God's idea. Number two, why do we celebrate Mother's Day as a church? Number two, there's no such thing as a perfect mom. Mother's Day reminds us that there's no such thing as a perfect mom. Let's read a little bit about the first mother, Eve, and the mistakes that she made. Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. When the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Adam, where are you? And we see him saying, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman, Adam blames his wife, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Why do we celebrate Mother's Day here as a church? Because there's no such thing as a perfect mom. This gives us a good occasion to remind our moms of that. Now think with me of the story we just read, the true story. 
Satan disguised himself and tempted Eve. If you think about what Satan said, it wasn't completely a lie. In one sense, the serpent was correct when he said, you will not surely die. Adam lived to be 930 years old, according to Genesis chapter 5 and verse 5. But though they didn't immediately die physically, they did die spiritually. Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden and from the presence of God. They were kicked out into the realm of the dead. What they experienced outside of the garden was not life as God intended, but was actually spiritual death. Now, if you think about it, even Jesus in his own genealogy, in Jesus' own ancestors, there are five moms listed in his genealogy, according to Matthew chapter 1. Think about the five moms listed. One of them is Tamar. Another is Rahab. Then there's Bathsheba. Then there's his own mother, Mary. Tamar disguised herself as a prostitute and had relations with her father-in-law. Rahab was a redeemed prostitute who saved Joshua at Jericho. Bathsheba committed adultery with David. You say, well, Matt, wasn't his own mother, Mary? Wasn't she perfect? Certainly she was perfect. But according to the Bible, she wasn't perfect either. In Luke chapter 1, Mary and her great Magnificat, Mary cries out to the Lord, and she says, God, my Savior. Two times in Luke chapter 1, Mary speaks of her need for the mercy of God. You don't need a Savior or the mercy of God if you're not a sinner. And so Mary, of course, being a wonderful young woman, yet still was a sinner in need of a Savior. Even West Virginia's own Anna Jarvis, the mother of Mother's Day, was no angel. And so learning her story might encourage you to recognize that sometimes we can, we can glamorize, we can fantasize about Mother's Day or mothers in particular and forget that there's no such thing as a perfect mom. In 1904, Frank Herring, a former football coach at the University of Notre Dame, he proposed the idea of Mother's Day before Anna Jarvis. Herring urged the Indianapolis gathering of the Fraternal Order of Eagles to support setting aside of one day in the year as a nationwide memorial to the memory of mothers and motherhood. Well, Anna Jarvis did not like it one bit. She did not want Frank Herring to become the father of Mother's Day. And so she later blasted him in an article when she was challenged about being the mother of Mother's Day, and she entitled the article, Kidnapping Mother's Day, Will You Be an Accomplice? West Virginia Wesleyan's historian, Catherine Antonoli, says that Anna Jarvis often acted out of ego. She said, in quote, everything she signed was Anna Jarvis, comma, founder of Mother's Day. It's who she was. Evidently, Anna Jarvis grew to become quite the curmudgeon. In 1934, Franklin Delano Roosevelt commissioned a postage stamp that he designed for Mother's Day. Jarvis did not approve of the design, and she wasn't really even consulted about the design. Overall, she thought the stamp was ugly, Antonoli says. Because she didn't agree with the commercialization of the holiday, she vowed to destroy it. 
1944, according to a Newsweek article, Anna Jarvis had as many as 33 pending Mother's Day lawsuits. Unfortunately, Anna Jarvis seemed to only get worse. At the age of 84, she died penniless, having spent the last four years of her life in a sanatorium. This Mother's Day, it is okay, and I hope it is quite freeing to you as a mom to know that no one expects you to be perfect. No one expects you to be perfect, or at least no one with a rational mind. Maybe, for instance, you feel as though the pressure is being put on you that you have to do everything with perfection. Maybe it's very easy for you to compare yourself with others. You stand in the checkout aisle and you see pictures of perfect women with perfect bodies and perfect houses and perfect hair and perfect men and perfect children. Or maybe you get on Facebook and Instagram and you see another child who just won the smartest student in the world award but your children keep getting sent home from school for sticking erasers up their nose. Maybe other moms always seem to have it together, but you barely have time for a sweatshirt and yoga pants. Maybe you wish that your house was cuter or bigger or your kids were smarter. Maybe you wish your marriage was more ideal. I love you and I wanna really help you. Please stop. Please stop doing this to yourself. You're only hurting yourself. Whoever, wherever those expectations are coming from, please stop and take a moment and realize that there's no such thing as a perfect mother. Now, if you happen to be watching this online, I would encourage you in the comments to comment, make a note about maybe your favorite TV mother. Now, maybe your TV mother was perfect in every way, or maybe your TV mother wasn't perfect in every way. But take a moment there and put in the comments section, even right now, your favorite TV mother. I was thinking about some of the old shows I used to watch, even as a kid, and thinking about the mothers who acted like Carol Brady or Claire Huxtable or Caroline Ingalls or June Cleaver or Violet Crawley. Not a show I watched as a kid, The Countess of Grantham, but a more modern show. Whoever you get the image of as a mother, let me encourage you, the gospel is not for perfect people. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you, if you don't know that you're sick, Jesus said, then you won't know that you need a doctor. The gospel is not for women who've never been depressed or anxious. And it's not for women who are fearless and tearless. The gospel is not for ladies with perfect marriages or perfect children. The gospel is not for those who've never had bad breath or have never had a bad hair day. If you've always kept God commandments and you've never broken a commandment, the gospel is not for you. If you've always kept all of your New, New Year's resolutions, the gospel is not for you. You see, the gospel is for those who need it. The good news of Jesus is for those who are broken. And so we can stop lying to ourselves and others. We can take off our masks and quit pretending that we're perfect. We can toss our white hats in the dumpster and the rest in the fact that God knows who we really are and God loves us anyway. I love Brennan Manning's quote. He says, whoever our failings, whatever our failings may be, we need not hide from the presence of Jesus. 
unlike Quasimodo, the hunchback of Notre Dame, we need not hide all that is ugly and repulsive in us. Jesus comes not for the super spiritual, but for the wobbly and the weak need who know they don't have it all together and who are not too proud to accept the handout of amazing grace. Why do we celebrate Mother's Day as a church? Why do we make such a big deal about it here, particularly at our church? Because it's a great opportunity for us to remember that there's no such thing as a perfect mom. Number three, why do we celebrate Mother's Day as a church? Number three, because moms are indispensable to God's plan of salvation. Moms are indispensable to God's plan of salvation. Now, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, scholars believe this is actually the first reference to the gospel in the entire Bible. Let's read it. God is speaking to the serpent, speaking to Satan, right after he had tempted Eve to sin. And God says to the serpent, I will put enmity, I will put a chasm, I will put a separation between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Almost they're going to be at war with one another. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You say, what in the world is that talking about? It almost sounds like an ancient riddle, something you would hear or see in a movie. Well, actually, it's not a riddle at all. It's actually a poem. And, and it's even for the Hebrew mind, it would have made much more sense than it does to our mind. But it's really easy to make to translate. The simple idea is this. God is telling Satan that there's coming a day that a seed, a savior, a warrior is going to be born of a woman. And this warrior, this seed, this savior, so to speak, is going to crush the serpent's head. Now, God even says that this serpent, Satan, will, will strike the warrior's heel. In other words, the serpent will draw blood temporarily of the warrior. But this is the first promise, even though it seems veiled to us, it's the first promise that God says, through a woman, I am going to send a deliverer, a victor, that is going to conquer Satan and his agenda once and for all. Now, we're going to find out in Genesis chapter 3 that it's more than just a snake. And throughout the New Testament, Re Romans 16, 20, Revelation 12, 9, Revelation 20 and verse 2, the Holy Spirit tells us that this serpent was Satan himself. And he's telling us that there's coming a day in the future for Adam and Eve, in their future, it's in our past, but God is going to send someone who will crush the serpent's head. Who is that one? Well, we know from the New Testament that one is Jesus. Jesus came to crush the serpent's head. Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to transform us. Jesus came to restore us. And it's through Jesus that we can have the promise and hope of resurrection, the resurrection promise of eternal life. So when Eve gave birth to her first son, Cain, in Genesis chapter four and verse one, Eve probably thought, this is it. This is the seed. When that doesn't work out, she probably thought that Seth, this is it. Seth is the seed. But even though Eve didn't know it, 
It would be thousands of years before the deliverer would be born. But he would be born of a woman, and the deliverer would come. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Why is Mother's Day such an important day? Well, because it reminds us that moms need Jesus too. Mother's Day gives us a unique way and a unique day to preach the gospel to women in our community. Let me encourage you. If you've never yet put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, give your heart to Christ. Commit your life to Christ. Call on the name of the Lord and accept his salvation. If you've put your faith in Jesus today or if, if you've put your faith in Jesus recently and you'd like to reach out for us to help you in your walk with Jesus, if you're watching this online, go ahead and click that follow Jesus button. If you're watching this on television, reach out to us. We would love to follow up with you and help you grow in your faith. The first step of obedience for any Christian is to be baptized. And I want to encourage you, if you're choosing to follow Christ, will you go on our app? Will you go on our website and sign up for Baptism Sunday? Why not go public with your faith? And you can say, I trusted Jesus on Mother's Day. And a week later, you were baptized. Why celebrate Mother's Day? Because moms are indispensable to God's plan of salvation. Why celebrate Mother's Day? Well, number five, number four, God is pleased when we honor the moms in our lives. God is pleased when we honor the moms in our lives. Genesis chapter three and verse 20 says this, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. Now, if you're taking notes or if you're following along in the app with all of our notes there, you'll see that the word Eve means life giver, life giver. This is evidence of Adam's faith and hope in God. In spite of the curse, life would come, redemption would come through life. The first thing that happened after Adam and Eve are expelled from the Garden of Eden is birth. That birth was God's mercy in the midst of a curse. It was also evidence of Adam's love for his wife. He, he stops blaming her and he gives her a very, very beautiful name. The name Eve, the mother of all living. From Genesis to Revelation, God has high respect for mothers. We see Jesus' own heart for his own mother in John 19. In John 19, we see that near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, that was John, standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, he said, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. History tells us that John actually took care of, of Mary after Jesus died. Of course, Jesus arose from the grave and ascended back into heaven, but someone still needed to take care of Mary. 
History tells us that by the year AD 70, when Jerusalem was ransacked, that John took Mary to the city of Ephesus in modern-day Turkey and took care of her there until her last days. We see that God has great concern for mothers, which is why we make such a big deal about Mother's Day here at Bible Center Church. Why do we celebrate Mother's Day? Well, not only is God pleased when we honor the moms in our lives, but number five, and lastly, there are aspects of God's love that we can only know through a mother's love. There are aspects of God's love that we can only know through a mother's love. I've listed multiple references in your notes there on the app or there on the website with our online bulletin. I would encourage you to check out those references. We know that God is our Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But there are also a number of references, not many, but there are a number of references that point to God's love for us where God's love is compared to that of a mother. God's love is compared to that of a human mother. It's compared to that of a, of a, of a bird mother or of even a bear mother. I would encourage you to check out the reference specifically in Hosea where God's love is compared as a mother bear protecting her young. Mothers have nurturing love, but they also have protecting love. And that's the way God is for us. I was reminded of a mother's protective love this past week. I was at the gas station not far from here, and there was a gentleman who was on his phone. He had pulled away from the gas pump, and he was on his phone. I don't know if he was looking for directions or what. Certainly, he wasn't like scrolling through Facebook or Twitter just right by the gas pump, but he had pulled away. But what he didn't realize was he had pulled out in such a way that nobody else could exit, at least on that half of the gas station. Well, I woke me up because horns started blaring as I'm getting back in my car and I wanted to see what was going on. And so like I went around the other side on purpose just so I could watch and figure out why are people honking their horns. And come to find out this one dude by himself in his car looking at his phone doing who knows what was blocking this whole line of cars. And so I stopped because I'm curious like that. I want to see what's going on. And this mother gets out with obviously in her van with kids, no doubt, in the back of the car, gets out and starts hitting on his glass, knocks on his glass, and, and, and he rolls down his window and she's screaming at him. I don't know what she's saying. I probably can't repeat it on TV. But she was giving him down the road for blocking what probably is keeping her children from making it to school on time. That's just one little example. But mothers have nurturing love, but they also have protecting love. And that's the way God's love is for us. I was thinking this week of my own mother's love for me as a kid. My mom had nurturing love and she had protecting love. I'm thinking of the times that there were days when dad had to work late and mom would pass baseball with me just so I could be ready for tryouts. I remember one particular occasion when I was scared of a storm and mom took me out to the awning and gave me these wristbands and a sweatband and somehow told me that they had extra power to help protect me from the storm. Well, I know that that's not true now, but I just remember my mom was trying to make me brave. I remember as a kid going on walks with my mom and my sister 
and, and throwing rocks at certain things, trying to hit them. I remember on one occasion throwing a rock down over the hill at this pipe. I don't know why I remember that. And I threw it and threw it and threw it. And I kept missing it and kept missing it. And mom just stood there beside me encouraging me. You can hit it. You can hit it. And finally I hit it because mom believed in me that I could hit the pipe. I think about my own dear wife and the times that she stays up late with our kids when I've long gone to sleep to love them and nurture them and help protect them. Here's what I want you to do. Here's my one main encouragement today. It's simply this. This Mother's Day weekend, do something to honor the moms and mom figures in your life. Do something today to honor the moms and the mom figures in your life. For you, that may mean making a phone call. It may mean making a visit. It may mean asking them what they want to do instead of you telling them what they want to do. It may mean giving them words of affirmation. It may mean writing them a letter or sending them an email, or even sending them a text, telling them how much they mean to you. If your own biological mother is no longer in your life, or if she wasn't the mother that you needed growing up, think about some other women that God has put in your life, and almost like mother figures, where they gave you pieces of themselves in a motherly-like way. This weekend, you can honor them through giving gifts, spending quality time, doing acts of service, asking what they need fixed, repaired, or mowed. It might even be trying to reconcile a relationship that's long since been broken. But whatever it is, do something today to honor the moms and the mom figures in your life. Why is that a good idea? Why is it a good idea to do this? Well, it's a good idea because motherhood was God's idea. There's no such thing as a perfect mom. Moms are indispensable to God's plan of salvation. God is pleased when we honor the moms in our life. And there are aspects of God's love that we can only know through a mother's love. Imagine what God could do, not only for that mother or that mother figure, but imagine what God can do in your own heart this weekend if you honored the moms and the mom figures in your life. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com or check us out on social media. You can also join us in person for services on Thursday at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m.